the Good Christophian Talks podcast. I'm Levi. And I'm Chris. Thank you so much for joining us this week. On this podcast, we select one talk a week to help each one of us get the Bible in our daily newsfeed. We post at the start of each week for you to listen with a short intro beforehand to kind of set the stage for the talk you're about to hear. And now, let's hear more about this week's talk. This week's talk is by Brother Islip Collier, and it's called The Risen Lord. Uh, it's really cool to have this talk recorded, and I wanted to share it on the podcast. Um, you know, Br- Brother Islip wrote um, uh, uh, the, uh, a couple books. He wrote The Principles of Proverbs and uh, Conviction and Conduct, and uh, some, uh, some really nice uh, books that we have in our community have had for a long time. We don't have a date on this talk. Um, it's on one of our websites. Uh, but we don't have a uh, have a date, and I did want to share it because uh, I think it's kind of a it's definitely f- definitely interesting to listen to. It's clearly a different style uh, than we have now. Um, it's it's uh, I think he you can tell from the from the talk that he has it written and is essentially reading um, a fully written talk, um, and it's very poetic and beautiful about the impact, the true impact of the fact that Jesus is risen. And how that is really the center of our gospel and the center of our of our each of our own transformations. Um, so I figured it was you know here kind of in the holiday season it, it's uh, it's a nice talk to share as it's different it's it's encouraging kind of in a different way. Uh, it's a talk from our heritage our, our community's heritage and our history. Um, it's fun to listen back. But yes, the sound quality is pretty bad. Uh, the sound quality is hard to listen to. I think if you play with your own volume. I found listening to it quieter than normal was nice, um, just because there's a lot of white noise in the background. But I think I, I personally adjusted to it when I was listening to it and could easily easily hear it. And it is just an exhortation, only about 20 minutes. So um, really hope you enjoy this um, and definitely keep any other recommendations that you have for us coming. Here is Brother Islip Collier on The Risen Lord. Since I last had the privilege of meeting with you round the table of our Lord in this place, death has visited us again, and uh, two voices which have often been heard in the proclamation of the gospel and the encouragement of the brethren and sisters have been stilled. Sometimes it may seem to us that this rather melancholy process, this procession to the grave is quickening up, and that more die now than used to in the old days. But of course this is merely our weakness. There's been no change in circumstances. (laughs) The change is in our observation. When we were children, we did not take much notice of death unless it was brought very closely home to us. If there were some friends of our parents who used to visit the home, whose visits became less frequent and then ceased, it probably did not occur to us to ask the question, why? Of course, we know now that was going on all the time. But when we get a bit older, we notice it more. 
Our own generation is touched. Fathers, mothers, sisters, brothers, and friends go one after the other, and sometimes we may feel the loss especially keenly. And of course we have to remember that the same thing went on many, many years ago. Those men who planted Christianity in the world and to whom we owe so much, those personalities which emerged so distinctly from the written word, they have all passed over to the great majority, Peter and Paul and John. We seem to know them very well, but they've been dead for centuries. If there were no exception to this, it would be a melancholy procession from the cradle to the grave. Nothing for us to mention here, nothing to call us together, there would be no reason for our assembly. But there was one glorious exception. One who indeed died, died a very painful death, but whose Death was the one supreme triumph in all human history. For he was perfect. He had never sinned in deed or word or thought. He always did the will of the Father who sent him. And so although he died a very painful death to show us the way of salvation. Although like the captain of our salvation he was made perfect through suffering. It was impossible that death should hold him. He rose from the dead. He ever lives to make intercession for us. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. And it's just our conviction of this that brings us together. And in accordance with the intensity of that conviction, the reality of it, uh, so will our service be. There is nothing that can move us to holy endeavor uh, more than the conviction that Christ is a living reality. And really one of the main objects of our assemblies and of our continual reading of the word is that this great fact should always be before the mind, not merely as uh, a mental recognition of certain evidence, but something which takes hold of the very soul with absolute conviction growing stronger as the years go by and pointing the way to things beyond the veil. We've had it impressed upon our minds very closely in our readings recently from the Acts of the Apostles that this was the continual theme of apostolic testimony, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, that they were witnesses and had seen him. Many matters are mentioned testifying to this great fact of the immediate disciples who knew him so well 
who did not expect him to die, and when he died didn't expect him to rise, who were astonished when they saw him, but who were gradually convinced that he had indeed risen. They went forth to perform that great work of planting Christianity in the world, accomplishing that which would have been an absolute miracle, apart from the fact that they were endowed by power from on high. And then there were his brethren, according to the flesh, they didn't believe on him at first. When it was quite possible to follow him without any danger, they didn't believe, but rather reproached him for neglecting business and going out into the world. But later on they believed. When he'd been raised from the dead, there was no mistake about that fact. It brought conviction to them. They became very earnest disciples. And as those are aware who have tried to follow out the history of the case, James, the Lord's brother, not only took a very leading part in the activities of the disciples after the resurrection, but he sealed his testimony with his blood. The fact is set forth very plainly with all the attendant circumstances uh, by Josephus. And then there was the Apostle Paul who began as an absolute unbeliever and a persecutor and could never forget that fact. In all those epistles in which his, his personality emerges so distinctly, he was continually referring to the fact that he had been injurious, that he had been a persecutor of the church was only forgiven because he did it ignorantly in unbelief. And then, of course, beyond all that personal testimony, the disciples were continually calling attention to the fact that to him, to the Lord Jesus, gave all the prophets witness. And they quoted various passages from those Old Testament scriptures which came out of the custody of the enemy, uh, showing what the purpose of God had been, and how gradually it was revealed through his servants, the prophets. In that chapter which we read, there are three references to Old Testament prophecies. In the other chapters we get other references, and it's quite a good thing that we should bear those things in mind. I don't know of anything which can bring more absolute conviction to a reasonable mind than the wealth of testimony concerning the Lord Jesus Christ to be found in those writings coming out of the custody of the Jews who reject him. Indeed, we're happy to notice uh, that in these days there are some of the Jews themselves beginning to realize the truth of those testimonies which they've preserved for so long and ignored so completely. They're beginning to realize that Jesus was indeed the Christ, the Son of God, and the one who can give life to the world. Yes, we have the full conviction that Jesus is a living reality, and that for all these centuries he has been ready to make intercession for those who come to God through him. And that he's willing, nay, anxious, 
to meet his brethren at that time when all that the Father has given him will be raised from the dust and endowed with the power of everlasting life. There are problems which may arise in the mind in looking at this matter. How many centuries have passed since the Lord Jesus was raised? How is it that he seems to do so little at the present time in the matter of delivering the world from all the evil which comes from human folly? And going back to the old days, we might ask the question, uh, how was it that more was not accomplished when he was upon earth? He had the power. The Spirit was given to him without measure. He could perform these great works, and he had the will to do it. And yet there were very many sufferers who were not delivered. We remember that on one occasion the Lord Jesus, uh, in defending his own position, or at all events explaining it, called attention to the fact that in the old days when such mighty powers were exercised by men, there were not very many who were delivered. There were many widows in the days of Elijah who needed his ministration, but he was only sent to one widow who wasn't in the land at all, but at Red Serepta, 40 miles to the north. And many lepers in the days of Elisha who needed his ministrations, but they weren't cleansed. One who was cleansed in a very remarkable way wasn't a Jew at all, but was the captain of the Syrian host. We remember how angry the people were when they had their attention directed to those very remarkable facts occurring in their own scriptures. We remember too that the Lord Jesus on one occasion wept over Jerusalem. He was so willing to save them. How often would he have gathered their children together as a hen gathereth her brood under her wings, and they would not. Ah, there's the problem. It's in the human attitude that the difficulty arises. Not that it's merely, it was merely faith healing that the Lord Jesus did, in which he was dependent upon the cooperation of those who were healed. There's no faith in a dead man if he could raise the dead. No faith in those waters of the Sea of Galilee in which he could still them. That didn't limit his power at all. But there was a certain limitation imposed by divine law. And we begin to understand it when we begin to realize what desperate sinners we all are. And how holy God is. And the mercy he exhibits in making it possible that any of us can approach to him. And when, as the result of much reading of scripture, we begin to realize that fact, that the difficulties clear away, and the truth opens out to us, and we realize the wonder and the beauty of the provision God has made of the Lord Jesus, the one who completely triumphed being there at the right hand of God to make intercession for us now.
and so ready to receive us, if we are willing, if we will submit in that day of judgment which is coming. We have some very wonderful instruction in the readings which came to us yesterday. Those who have a particular appreciation of literary qualities uh, will surely agree that that last chapter of Ecclesiastes is unique. There's a certain magical quality in the language there, in spite of what it may have lost by translations. And it's possible for us to get a very real message from it, a message which perhaps is particularly appropriate on an occasion like this, when we are receiving into our midst a new sister, one who I believe is quite young and has the experience of life ahead of her. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, ere the evil days come and the years draw nigh when I shall say, I have no pleasure in me. Rather sad words, but they express a great truth. For in human life it's simply inevitable that there will come a time when evil days present themselves. And there will come a time when one who has only sought the blessings of the present life will make the confession, I have no pleasure in these years. In earlier days, that's the time to serve God. Don't want to get to him only just the fag end of life when we have a little more power give it get the end of our very best while we're young. And that will prepare the way more than anything for that full development of character, which will make it possible for us to be the subject of that supreme miracle of transformation, uh, which is necessary if we're to be in the kingdom of God. There's just a thought which comes to my mind in connection with one of those who have so recently been taken from us. There are times when we're able to present the gospel message to those outside and it's received by one who stands out from all old associates small old friends. On the lines of what we read in the first chapter of the Song of Solomon, my mother's children were angry with me. How often it has been that those called to be constituent members of the Bride of Christ had to make that concession that mother's children have been angry with them. Well, it was so with one of those who have been taken from us. One who, 65 years ago, first passed through the waters of baptism. Father and mother and sisters and brothers, they all were alive, but they would have nothing to do with this new message. 
But he was a very wonderful example of that truth laid down by the Lord Jesus that if one forsakes father and mother and sisters and brothers for the gospel, he'll receive manifold more even in this present life. How many homes were opened up by the truth? How many mothers and sisters and brothers were found in the bonds of the gospel? A wonderful illustration of the truth of our Lord's words. And those words still are true for any who in these days have to take that painful step uh, which isolates them from past companions. Well, brethren and sisters, we've come together once more to remember Christ in the appointed way, to take of the bread and wine which remind us of his death. And we may remember once more that those symbols which are symbols of death are also symbols of life. From bread and from wine, new life can be built up. And we have the assurance from the Lord Jesus himself that those who partake of him thoroughly, not merely in the symbol, but in that which the symbol represents, who really take him into their very beings, so it is built up into their personalities, they will be raised up by him at the last day. It's very desirable when we come together around the table of the Lord that we should have this thought in mind. Uh, for everything that we do is a matter of uh, custom and a matter of habit uh, is apt to lose its potency as time goes on and may be merely a matter of habit without any proper realization of what is involved. And it's desirable each time we come together around the table of the Lord that we should take ourselves in hand to see that the mind is properly attuned to the great things which have called us together. That we may take Christ into our very souls just as really as we take the bread and the wine into our bodies that he may in the fullest sense be in us. Many remember the closing words of his prayer just before crucifixion. That he had declared the name of the Father unto his brethren, and I will declare it, that the love of his thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. Thank you for listening to the Good Christadelphian Talks podcast. Please subscribe for new episodes and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever service you are listening from to help people find the show when they search for it. If you enjoyed this talk, share it on social media so other people can find it too. For show notes and links to the talk that you just listened to, visit our show page at anchor.fm slash GCT. We want to encourage everyone to share their thoughts from the talk this week on Facebook or Instagram, where we are at Good Christadelphian Talks or on Twitter, where we are at GCT underscore podcast. If you know of a great talk, we want to know about it too, 
Send a suggestion to goodchristadelphiantalks at gmail.com or message us on any of our social media platforms. Thank you for listening. God bless and talk to you next week.